Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Leah Eliana Batamuna, and also for Le'ilu Nishmas, for Bear Moshe Ben Yisrael Shmuel. I'm so excited to have on today's show, Rebbitson Haya Reich. Rebbitson Reich is a sought-after speaker, a college teacher, and a published author of the Cozy Rosie book series. She is also leading a workshop on how to make your husband your soulmate, which is helping women all across the country grow closer to their husbands, both emotionally and physically. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. My pleasure. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, okay. So what I do. So I'm really a college teacher, that's my training. And um, since I've been a college teacher, I branched off and I'm also um, a marriage mentor and I lecture. As my lecturing started for Gateways over 25 years ago. If you know about Gateways, it's, it's a care of organization. And believe it or not, <laughs> we started out giving a lecture called how to, uh, the lecture was, the Secret of Jewish Femininity, named over from Tehillah Abramov's book, and she's the one that trained me. And we would do lectures on Taras HaMishpacha for huge secular audiences that knew nothing about the Jewish approach to intimacy, knew nothing about Taras HaMishpacha. And um, it was quite incredible because we would be able to makar people through this. Like people would come totally secular to a weekend seminar. And I would get up and I just would simply speak about what Taras HaMishpacha is all about. And um, it was amazing. We had anywhere from four to 18 women at a class just come to me afterwards and stand up and say, okay, I wanna learn about this and I wanna take the plunge, which amazing. was incredible. And then we would take them wherever they lived, if they lived in California or Texas or New York or whatever, we would have um, JME teachers and we would set them up Jewish marriage education. Those are the teachers trained by Tehillah Abramov. And we would set them up wherever they lived and teach them everything. And we'd have these women who were totally secular, but they'd go to the mikvah. And wow. it was really incredible. Wow. And then you know, we'd see them a year later and two years later, they'd come to the advanced seminar. And then, you know, all of a sudden they'd walk in and you'd see that they're in skirts. <laughs> and then you'd see, they'd come to another seminar and they'd be wearing a shaitel. And then you would see that, you know, they'd come and say, my husband's in Kolel, you know, because he was learning one night a week, they called a Kolel, you know, with the <laughs> rabbi. And like, and then, and then, you know, you'd see they put their kids into a Jewish day school. And it was just incredible to see the power of Taras Shvacha and the power of that this is where they started. In other words, they didn't start with Shabbos and Kashris, you know, or anything like that. They started within the privacy of their home quietly. They still went out with their friends on, on Shabbos. They still went out to eat in any restaurant. You know, they just started like taking Hashem in, in their bedrooms. It's such an interesting place to start. It's amazing. It's not, you're right. It's not the typical starting place. Most people start with Shabbat or maybe they start with Kashrut. It's very rare that you hear that somebody started with Taharaz HaMishpacha. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But if you think about it, this was a place of secrecy where they could like do it privately. Yeah. They didn't have to get anyone involved. They didn't have to, you know, once you're like eating kosher, like you can't go out with the group. Right. Or like you have to go to a kosher restaurant and listen to everybody make fun of the high prices or whatever they're going to make fun of, you know, or if you're out of town, there aren't too many kosher restaurants. So it's interesting to see that once these couples experienced having Hashem live with them, they wanted more. 
Wow. And that's so beautiful. And I know right now that you're, you're going to be actually very soon starting to do a workshop for women. And yeah. it's about emotional intimacy being a prerequisite for physical intimacy, just like what you were saying, starting in the bedroom. And this is so right in the mark. And you once said to me that you can have issues in the bedroom if you're not nice to your husband in the kitchen. And I was wondering if you can please tell us a little bit more about how you can be truly connected to your husband on an emotional level so that it transfers to the physical level. Yes. So a couple has to feel like they're connected. You know, years ago, I, I remember when I was first training many years ago, they used to say, yeah, if it's great in the bedroom, it'll be great in the kitchen. And I don't know, I, I remember being trained that way. And now I, you know, I have over 25 years experience doing this. And with my experience now, I kind of feel like it's not so like really if you're connected and you're best friends and you have this incredible connection, then the bedroom area can be fantastic. And if it's not because of education, then that's something that can just be learned and worked out, that, that education. But if you can communicate and you're kind and nice and sweet to each other and helpful to each other, then you can move that feeling. And then when you're vulnerable and most intimate area of your life, then you'll be able to connect to each other in that area and you'll be able to show and to want to give each other pleasure and to want to show each other how much you love each other in that area. But it definitely starts, you know, in other places. We just started now. I do a workshop called How to Make Your Spouse Your Soulmate. I'll be starting another one on emotional intimacy. The first one is always on emotional intimacy. I'm starting on um, Tuesday, December 14th. I, I, you know, I do them. And after that one, I do a 12-hour course on physical intimacy, which brings all the Torah, um, all the Medrashim, all the Gemaras, like every single source in the Torah about intimacy. And I use those sources to teach the women about intimacy. And we also do a biology lesson. Like there's a lot more that we do. But the point that I want to make is that my husband just started doing the same workshop, how to make your spouse your soulmate for men. And it's fascinating, you know, my workshop, the first one is four classes and the second one is five classes. So the whole thing is nine classes. Men can't sit that long as we know, right? <laughs> so, um, yes. so my husband took all that information and he put it into four classes. Amazing. And the point that I want to make on the question you just asked is, you know, the very first class, he speaks about what mitzvah sona is, but then he explains to the men that if you want to be physical with your wives, it starts with emotional. Right. And, you know, and he explains to them, he, he broke it down to this 15, 15, 15, 15. So he said the first 15 minutes is being involved in her life. I mean, this is for men, but it also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it over to because it's, it's what we need. So we need to know what we need. Right. So, you know, how are you involved in a woman's wife, in a woman's life by, you know, first thing in the morning, hi, what's, what's your day's plan? What's going on? What's happening? You know, and then like maybe sending a text message or calling her, how's it going? How's this happening? How's this? Like a little connection over here. Then coming home, like my husband told them this, they were blown away. It's such a simple thing, but come home, knock on the door. Hi, you know, daddy's home, Abba's home, Tati's home. Come in. You can't find her because she's upstairs and her head's inside the washing machine. 
So my husband said, you go up the steps and you wait till her head comes out of the washing machine. <laughs> you catch her eye. You look her in the eye and say, hi, I'm home. It's so great to see you. How was your day? How can I help? Wow. You know, wow. You know, that will make a woman feel connected. Like they'll think, what happened? <laughs> exactly. Where's my husband? Yes. Oh my gosh, like where did he go? But that's what a woman needs. We need to feel that, that connection, you know? And that's the first 15. And the next 15 is the emotional. Meaning just when the kids are sleeping and when everything is, you know, is put away, just sitting down on the couch and, you know, talking about each other's day, his day, her day, what's going on, how is the day, what went on today, you know, just hearing about each other's day and connecting in that way, because I always say a man can come home and he could see his wife doing the dishes and he could have this urge right away, look at her to want to be with her. And he's at 10. She's at minus 10. <laughs> right. I mean, she has so much to do tonight and so much on her head. Yes. And there's no way for her to get there until she does things that she needs to do. Talks to him about what happened when his mother called today. I made that comment again, just to get it off her chest. She has to, you know, vent and vent and vent and vent and he has to listen and listen and listen and, you know, not fix, but just listen. Like I say, you know, he has to be, I always say, you tell the men like an air conditioner, just sit there. I'm the vent and I'm just blowing off air. Just sit there and say, I got it. Don't fix it for me. Believe right, me, listen. I hope it every way. Just listen. Yes. You yes. know, empathy. Wow. That was hard. That was difficult. Whoa. And we could do the same for them. You know, right. something happened at work and they come home and we start judging. Well, why don't you do this with your boss? And why don't you do that with your boss? And why did you, ew, like you don't think he thought of that? He feels bad enough that he didn't get that raise. Right. Or whatever. Right. And you're just adding, you're just hurting him. You know, best to just sit back and go, wow, that must have been painful. And you're so good at what you do. And wow, that must have been hard. Like. These are the tools that, you know, I'll give you little pieces, but these are the tools that we teach the couples. And, and it sounds minor and they are, you know, like I have women taking it that are married a minute to women who are married more than 45 years. And the ones who are in the 25 to over 45 year range, you know, the feedback is, well, they'll always learn something new, but they'll always say it's like the ABCs of marriage. Thanks for reminding me that this is important. We definitely need reminders. We for sure. And like what you were saying, well, it's good for the men. It's also good for the women. We could totally reverse it. You know, like um, when our husbands come in the door, we could also, we could say, oh, you know, if you hear the key turn in the lock or you hear the car come into the driveway, we could also, I guess, get our heads out of the washing machine or get our hands out of the dishes, you know, washing the dishes and go over to the door and greet him, say, hi, how are you? You know, would you like a drink or your dinner's on the table or whatever, like nice little thing that you want to say to him. And then then you could go do whatever you want to do. And also, you're right, like he probably had a hard day at work. Maybe this employee said something. Maybe that client did something. Maybe the other one didn't show up, you know, and he's dealing with that. And he's been dealing with that all day. And he does bring it home, you know, from work. He brings his work home and 
yeah, sometimes he just wants to vent also. And it's so good that we show our husbands empathy and sympathy and compassion and caring for what they're going through. Like if we can just get out of our heads and get into their heads and kind of be that, that, uh, you know, the person that that gives them a hug, even if it's an emotional hug, you know, physical hug, emotional hug, just to make them feel better and loved and wanted and welcomed. I'm so happy you brought that up because that's exactly what I teach the women. (laughs) Okay. You know, my head now is because we just created this course together. So my head is very much in what we want the men to hear. Yeah. But I'm so happy that you brought that up because that's exactly what I've been teaching for more than 25 years about when the husband walks in to drop everything and, and meet him at, you know, at the door and, you know, take five minutes before I'll give you a technique right now, five minutes before, you know, he should text, he should call, he should this, he should that. Yeah. Five minutes, run to the bathroom, brush your teeth, you know, put your shades on or however he likes to see you, you know, redo your lipstick, you know, put a pair of earrings on and for sure go to the door and greet him in this happy way. You know, he definitely doesn't need to be greeted with, um, I I call it, you know, with a mini potato sack (laughs) and the maxi potato sack. And then you go, hi, and over here, there's the green salad because kale's really in now and it's low calorie. So you have the green (laughs) It's here, it's here. And then over here, because you ate so healthy, you bounce it off with fabulous chocolate. And over here's the chocolate. Of course. Right <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course. And, you know, just to throw it in one little red candy right in the middle. So, you know, we doesn't need to be graded with, you know, and then we're in that schmatt and over here is the tomato sauce. And over here is the, you know, uh, the, the, the red crayon and markers, you know, like, it's okay to be, <laughs> to be greeted like a mensch, like take a minute. It really, really takes five minutes to run in. I'm so happy that you said that to take five minutes to pull yourself together, to go to the door, to dry your hands, to say, Hey, I'm so happy you're home, you know, in reverse. Right. right? And just exactly what you said, like, so happy to see you, like make them a drink. Like you said, like sit down. Dinner's almost ready, but let me give you a drink or let me give you a piece of cake or a cookie with that. Or let me, you know, give you some cut up fruit or some cut cut of vegetables and pull them out of the fridge and have it ready. Like he'll think like, wow, she thought of me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's the same with the kids. I do that with my kids. It's interesting because, you know, you think all the years of cutting up that fruit and all the years of cutting up that vegetables, like, do they really know? Like, do they really... It's interesting. So I have my married daughter now recently said to me, um, oh, Ma, I remember whenever I came home from school, you always had fresh cut up vegetables or fresh cut up fruit. I want to be a mother like that. And I was like, what? So sweet. Yeah, but I never heard it all the years, only until she became a mother. Wow. So, so you didn't know what that made an impact. Oh, it made such an impact on me, even hearing it all these years later. Like, you know, my, I still have little ones at home. So I'm like thinking, like, just keep cutting up those vegetables. Like it's so many years I'm cutting those vegetables. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, don't forget to keep cutting up the fruit and the vegetables because it does mean a lot. And it means a lot to him as well. Like, it's a wonderful thing to have a, to have a wife that thinks about you when you're at work and cuts up the fruits and vegetables or makes the coffee or the iced tea or as you said, when he walks in and says, what are you in the mood for? 
Right. Like it's nice. It is very nice. And then, um, and then I, and then let's, let's, let's push the evening on a little bit. So he comes to the door, you greet him beautifully. He's sitting down, he's having a, a delicious dinner and then the dinner's done. And then you're moving on into the night a little bit. So you're not in the bedroom yet. It's still, you know, you're still, maybe it's eight o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. I don't know. At night, something like that. And the kids are still up. Maybe how can we continue our emotional connection with them when we have, you know, let's say one kid that's still up with the homework and we need to help them with the math. And the other one maybe has to be driven to basketball practice. The other one is walking in the door because he came in from school late, you know? So how, like, how amongst all the chaos of taking care of the kids and the housework and the dishes and the, and the food and everything, how can we still continue that emotional connection with our husband? Okay. Well, first of all, it's very emotionally connected if you're both doing these things together. True. And we take, we take this thing, you know, about this thing. Oh God, that's a killer. That cell phone. Oh spouse. my gosh. This is the other spouse. I just yes. taught Hassan uh, uh, and Kala. I was not their teacher, but they came to me after the wedding. And when we sat down, I said to them, you know, when you emotionally connect, you've got to leave the other couple out of it. And they yes. both were like looking at me and they said, what other couple? I said, that other couple that keeps coming to dinner with you every night, they've yep. got to be left out of it. And they were like clueless. And, and as they were both playing with their phones, as they were working with me, please oh. understand. Okay. So I said, that thing is the other couple. Right. And the husband got it right away. He shut it off right in front of me. Smart. And then she couldn't like imagine shutting it off. Right. And I said, it has to be shut off. When you sit down and this is a young couple, they were married like a few months and, and having issues. So someone sent them to me, you know, and I said, there was, there was, you know, I'll, I'll tell you straight. There was issues intimately, physically, intimately. Mm-hmm with intimacy. And that's why they were sent to me, but there was no emotional connection here. So here goes back to question one yes. with question two. So the first thing that I had to tell them was, you know, get rid of the other couple when you have dinner, at least let's start there, you know, so let's shut off the phones during dinner. So let's have that time to connect now with a family and a lot of kids going on and all of that. I'm very, very big on dinners. They say that families that stay that have dinner together stay together. Yes. And if you look at the research, it's mind-boggling. They say that um, children that have dinner with their parents together at the table and connect, even if it's a 20-minute dinner, because it doesn't last longer than that during the week, 15, 20 minutes, right? That they feel loved and cared for. And couples that have that dinner together, it's also if you do the research on it. So I'm very, very big on that. So that's right away. Daddy's home, Tati's home, Abba's home. Okay, everyone. Now, what happens if Abba comes home at eight o'clock? That's going to be the first question here. Yes. And you have a bunch of little kids. So I always say, so feed the little kids at five o'clock or six o'clock, yes. right? When Abba comes home at eight o'clock, you, you know, if the little kids are up or whoever is still up, call everybody to the table. And you yourself, you're hungry. If you ate with the younger kids, save your salad or save your soup to eat with him. So someone's eating. Right. And at that time, you're serving him in a very kingly way. And I always say, paper goods for everyone. For the king, real dishes. <laughs> Let the kids see it. This is a way of teaching our children how to respect. Yes. Right? Their father. So yes. we set them a very nice place, real dishes, and call everybody around. And that's a time to go around the table. First of all, you can start 
by just telling your husband things that are appropriate for the kids to hear about what you did today and what happened. And then say, oh, and Shmuley got a hundred on his Chumash test. And Yaeli, she got, you know, an, an 84 on that math test that we you, that you work so hard helping her with. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud. I think you both get a sticker, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, it's making him feel good. It's making her feel good. We're going around the table. We're all connecting as a family, which is amazing. And then we can go on to do what we need to do separately, where he might need to learn with the kids and she might need to do this, blah, 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 whatever that time frame is. Yes. And then I'm going to throw something else in here. Okay. It's okay for the kids to see you going out and taking a half an hour walk together right in the middle of the chaos. If you have older kids that can babysit, it's okay to say, mommy and Tati are going out now for connection time. Mommy and Tati are going out for our time together. And the kids will cry and carry on in the beginning, but then they'll get used to it. And here's what else, not only will they get used to it, children love when their parents love each other that's key very key yes total key yes total yeah. key now what if you have a whole bunch of little kids and there's nobody to watch your kids so you get a neighbor and you pay that neighbor for three nights a week or five nights a week for your half an hour slot you have the neighbor come in meaning the big girl next door right watch the kids she can do an arts and crafts with them she can get beds you know starting with them. She could start whatever she needs to do with the kids, doing homework with some kids. And you figure out when it works for you the best. You know, that neighbor could also be great with your pre-1A child or your fifth grader to do math with the fifth grader or whatever it is. And that's that half an hour that you're going out. And that's, that's the beginning of that emotional connection. What I spoke about before, when you just sit and you talk to each other. Yeah. Some couples can't do that at 11 o'clock at night. That's hard. You know, later it gets a tire. Both, both people get the man and the woman. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. right. Yes. So some couples can't do it at night. So for those that can't, this walk is a lifesaver. Even if you are married over 20 years and blah, 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 you have to begin yourself that connection. And you also have to know that connection is key. And that's really my focus of everything that I do now. Me and my husband is focusing the couples to understand that connection is key. You know, we're doing so much for our kids now. What are we not doing for them? Everything. The Everything, the tutoring, the driving, the extracurricular, the music lessons, the voice lessons, the tennis lessons, the uh, whatever lessons that we're doing for them, right? The, 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 the karate lessons, whatever's going to help them learn better. And learn better. Hey, imagine this is free. Let them just see mommy and tati, mommy and daddy connecting. They'll love it. They'll love it. Playing even a game together. You know, we just went through Hanukkah, but we right. do that on Shabbos. Uh, we play games with the kids. And if the kids don't want to play games, I'll play with my husband. <laughs> Let them see it. They laugh. They giggle and they laugh. But this is what teaches them. They, they need to know the role models of how to be connected when they get married. And in our world... We have kids married as young as 18. Yes, true. So how are they going to know? You know, when I teach my colleagues and they come to me, they don't know. You know, I, I once had a colleague that came to me. She goes, I am. I just want to tell you, Mrs. Ray, I am. I am really great 
at cooking. I am fantastic at ironing. I'm better than the dry cleaner. And I can bake better than anyone. And she goes through everything that she can do. She goes, but I just want you to know, I'm a very, very private person. And I, I, I'm not going to connect, you know, about myself because that's private. I just want you to know that. So I said, whatever her name was, so-and-so. I said, I'm so happy you told me now. Instead of having 20, 22 hours of collar classes, we're going to have to have 35 hours of collar classes <laughs> because it doesn't go. You understand when we get married, the man doesn't stay on one side of the mechitza and the woman on the other side. Right. We need to teach them to come together. Right. And connection is key. Connection is key. Exactly. It's very, very well said, very well put. And that's it. That's like the crux of everything because, you know, you take the emotional connection that you have outside of the bedroom and then you bring it into the bedroom, which actually leads me to my next question. Um, I know a much anticipated portion of your workshop involves a biology session and you talk about how both the female anatomy and you talk about the male anatomy and you get into how a woman can give her husband pleasure and also how she can maximize her pleasure that she receives from her husband. And I was just wondering, what are some of the strategies that you give to women to maximize their physical experience in the bedroom while they are simultaneously connecting to their husbands emotionally? Okay, that's a great question that needs to be answered um, in my workshop. Yes. Um, that, that's a very, very long answer. But I want to I pick on some things in the question, if it's okay with you. Yes. So the biology lesson. Okay, this is something that I've been doing one-on-one -on -one for many years. I mean, forever since I'm teaching college, which is more than 25 years. Um, and the fact that I'm even doing it in a, it's a closed workshop. I just want to have two or button behind me. I, there, there are no, um, there's no back and forth. There's no questions. The questions are only sent to me anonymously to my chat box or emailed to me anonymously. And if I feel that the whole group needs to hear the answer, then I will answer it publicly without saying who asked the question. So it's done in a very, you know, sneeistica, modest way, which it should be. Yes. You know, I, I, I even feel sorry that I'm even doing this, even in the small groups, because I still do feel like this education should be one-on-one. -on -one. But be that as it may, we are really right now in a huge crisis. Um, corona has made our crisis a lot worse. And... Um, with the encouragement of my husband and Rabbanam that I'm even doing these workshops, I feel like education is very, very important. I think if you're old enough to get married, you're now old enough to learn about your body. Yes. And you would be blown away. I have women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s taking my course who are clueless about their own bodies and their husband's bodies. I mean, and, and for sure, the younger ones, if they didn't have the proper college teacher, they just don't have that education. And I keep saying, oh, hold on here. You're going to have a baby. And if you're old enough to, to, to do that, you have to be old enough to know biologically every piece of your body, how it works, how it functions, and the names of your specific body parts. Right. And the Rabbanim are coming out feeling the same way as well, which I can tell you that in Muncie, um, during Corona, we had a bunch of Rabunam come and speak to us behind a glass enclosed situation where we, we were all masked and, and they were enclosed. And I was blown away because it was mostly they wanted to speak to, to the, the, um, 
the Kala teachers in Mansi, um, specifically more of the Hasidic Kala teachers. And these were Hasidic Dayanam that came to speak. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away because I've been doing this for over 25 years. They actually use my model. I have a model of a pelvic, a pelvic model. I do not have it here right now, otherwise I would show it. But it's a pelvic model that I use and I pull it apart and show every single part of the body from the ovaries to the uterus, to the, to the bladder and, and, and all the female places of pleasure, the woman's aver, I show every single piece and um, the rabbinum left, and then they had the women um, bodekas. Do you know what a bodekas is? The uh, bodekas is the women that are trained. They could be nurses or midwives, and they're trained to be able to look and check a woman if she's staining to see. Oh if it's yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So yes. that's a bodekas. So we had some bodekas come, and they showed the model using my model, and they were explaining the right place to do a bodeka. Yes. To examine yourself. Now, you know, it blew my mind that this was done in a public forum. There were hundreds of teachers there. And, and it's very important because why? why? Why did the Rabbanim do something like this? They found out that women were doing bedikas incorrectly. Huh. And some even in the wrong place. Interesting. Okay. So, so I'm just telling you, like... I was just sitting there, you know, I came along and I was just nodding along because for more than 25 years, I keep saying, if you can't teach this, then don't be a college teacher. Yes. You need to teach a woman about, about her body, about her aver, about the place of pleasure. This needs to be taught over. It needs to be taught to a man and a man needs to be taught how a woman gets pleasure. And if his chassan teacher doesn't do it, then he certainly should run and take my husband's course because my husband does this for the men as well. And it was gone over with a die in every single picture. We show 30 slides. My husband doesn't show as many, but I'm speaking to women so I can show more. I show 30 slides, you know, I don't know, maybe my husband has 10 or 12 slides. Um, and it's very, very, very important. And I also want to point out that we're mommies. If we're zaycha to be a mommy, then we need to give over to our children also the parts of their body. And my daughter-in-law has told me that if a child knows the parts of her body, the statistics show that that child that is familiar with the parts of her body will be much less be able to be sexually abused because she's aware and her parents have told her about her private parts and have told her the names of her parts and have told her that it's private and have told her that no one's allowed to look there or touch there or go near there, that these girls, that young children that know that, they can come home and say, mommy, someone tried to touch me and they'll know the names of the place. Right, right. And, and those kids that are aware like that will be much less likely to be abused. And those are the, that's the science. Those are the statistics. I can't make that up. Mm -hmm. And right now in the firm world, sorry, but it's my pet peeve, so I have to throw it in here. Um, the, 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 they're saying, I mean, in the world at large, one out of every four women will be abused in their lifetime, and it's one out of five men. However, within our circles, and the Rabbana that I work with have told me quietly, and I also feel like it's much higher, they feel that the abuse is one out of two. 
which is very high out of me. Oh my gosh. And I keep saying, and again, I'm going to say it because I'm on here and there's people listening and I want them to hear it. And this is going to be something that might take 25 years. Just like I said, for 25 years, we need to teach people about their bodies. So I'm going to say it again. We need to teach kids about their bodies. We need to tell them when they're very young that no one is allowed, that this is a holy part. No one's allowed to touch them here. We need to educate them. We need to tell them. We need to explain it to them, whether the person is your Rebbe or your grandfather or, or your brother-in-law, or I mean, the stories that come to me from Kala's, and this is years, I'm doing this already more than 25 years. I don't have enough fingers and toes anymore to tell you how much abuse that I've seen. Oh, it's and, and the scary part of the abuse that I've seen is that there's many very to me mystical girls that come, they don't realize they were abused. Really? Because they don't know, because their grandfather said whatever he said. Wow. They don't know because they weren't taught about this. So I just feel like we have to be normal about it. We have to be regular about it. As a matter of fact, in my second workshop on physical intimacy, I throw in a bonus class, which I teach the women how to teach their daughters about their period, their menstrual cycle. Okay. Because I feel like that's very important in how a girl will grow up and look at this area of their life. If we don't give it over with excitement and simcha and beauty and happiness, then they'll get married and think that this is a terrible, embarrassing, bad, dirty thing. So right. we don't want to give it over in that way. It has to be given over for the way that it is. It means that you can be a mommy. It means that you can help Kali Yisrael continue. It means that you're maturing. And it means that I have to teach you, I have to treat you a bit different because you're, you know, 11, 12, 13, or whenever you'll get your menzies, some girls are getting it as young as 10, you know? So it means you're more mature now. And right. mommy has to treat you that way. So there's a lot that goes into that. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking over and over. No, this is important <laughs> stuff. I'm glad you're saying it. Thank you but it's just my pet peeve. So if I could get that message out there that we need to just educate our boys as well as our girls and especially our boys, you know, to know that, you know, this is uh, something special and, and nobody's allowed to, to touch them or to see them or to, you know, and, and there are private places that are, that are not dirty, that are holy. Right. It's a big difference. It's a very, yeah, I was going to say very important distinction. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Very important and speaking of holy, I just want to ask you one more question because then we're going to be running out of time soon, but it's an important one. Um, I know that you tried to tie all your teachings to the Torah. And I just want to ask you, what is a Torah approach to physical intimacy? Great. Okay. Uh, that's a great question. Okay. So I'm going to start with Ksuba. Okay. So when a wife gets married and she gets Ksuba underneath the chuppah from her husband, and by the way, a little halakhic fact here. You're not supposed to be living with your husband unless you know where your kasuba is. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, so you need to know exactly where it is. I know exactly where I have mine. Some people choose to hang it on the wall. So that's easy. They know where it is. But anyway, if you go home and you find your kasuba, which you should now that you hear that, um, roll it out and go through it. You can ask your husband to translate it for you and you will see 
that it says in the Ksuba that the chassan has an obligation to provide his wife with food, shelter, and mitzvahs ona. Yes. Okay. Mitzvahs ona means physical gratification. So now it's very fascinating right here. Why did the Torah put this into this contract? I always wondered that. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's funny. Like, what does Mitzvah Sona have to do with food and shelter? So let's go through it for a moment. If he doesn't give her food, so what, what will happen? She'll get weaker and weaker and weaker, and the soul will separate from the body, and she will, God forbid, die. Yes. What happens if he doesn't give her shelter, especially I live in New York and it's freezing out? Mm-hmm. has to be put outside in the cold. And eventually she'll get weaker and weaker and the soul will separate from the body and she will die. Yes. What happens if he doesn't give her mitzvah ona? So that means that we have to now say what mitzvah ona is. So for, for those that don't know, whose mitzvah is mitzvah ona? Whose mitzvah is it? It's, I think there's a man's mitzvah to provide for the woman. Exactly. So many people will say it's her mitzvah. Some will say it's his mitzvah. And many people in the audiences that I teach will say it's both of their mitzvahs. So it's 100% the man's mitzvah. And what is the man's mitzvah? The man's mitzvah is to give her physical gratification. So now let's go back to the soup. It says here he has to provide his wife. He's obligated to give her physical gratification. What happens if he doesn't give it to her? So eventually there's a soul of marriage. The soul of marriage will start to separate and he will begin to separate from her. She will separate from him until eventually the marriage is dead. Right, true. So it's this, that's why it's put there with the food and the shelter. So if there's any of your listeners out there who are saying, oh, what do I need it? It's okay. It doesn't matter. We didn't figure it out till now. It doesn't matter. I want you to know it matters. I want you to know it matters. Okay. I met somebody yesterday, mamash in a store. That just opened up to me. A woman in her 50s, late 50s, just opened up to me. It matters. You can't just stop having mitzvah sona. The marriage will die. So here's so here's the challenge. And I agree with you 100 percent. So there's sometimes somebody will have a situation where for whatever reason that it's not possible to be physically intimate. It could be a physical illness. Maybe somebody got into an accident. Maybe it's a mental illness. Maybe maybe it's something else altogether, but they're not able to be physically intimate, the husband and wife. What would happen? Or like, what advice can you give somebody in that situation? Okay, so there's a whole slew of people that do what I do now. There's a whole bunch of very educated college teachers, therapists, sex therapists out there. And, and um, the, the Rabbanim are incredible in today's day and age in figuring out different ways to give each other pleasure. So there's a lot of ways that this can be worked out. And if somebody is in a situation like that, definitely reach out to someone like myself or to a, um, oh, oh, let me give you right now, I want this to be on here. I work, I'm an, a volunteer for an organization. I'm gonna give you the information right now called Ani Lododi. Ani 
Lododi Helpline. Okay, you can look at us online. It's called Ani, A-N-I-L-E-L-E-D-O-D-I, helpline.org. Mm-hmm. Okay, our phone number is 646-746-4343. It's an incredible endeavor started by a group of amazing, amazing women. <clears throat> We're a whole bunch of advocates. We volunteer to answer the line. We're college teachers, sex therapists, regular therapists, um, Rebitsons, and we can, we can get a phone call like you just said, and right away we would discuss it through with you. We could either help you and answer it on the spot, or we would give you a Rev or a Rebitson or a college teacher or a sex therapist that can give you different ideas. But if one of the two is in, is in a state where they can't have regular relations, there are other things that they can do that you know, is not the norm because of their situation that is perfectly halakhically acceptable. It's good to so, know. So that's very good to know. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of things that people don't have who to speak to and they don't know what's allowed yes. and they don't know who to speak to and they don't know where to go. And that's why this hotline was developed by these incredible women to just tell them, you know, we can get these phone calls. We get calls on intimacy all day long. Like, who am I going to ask the lady, you know, the cash register in the supermarket? <laughs> so, so, um, so that's that. Anyway, anyone can feel free also to reach out to me. My email is Chaya, C-H-A-Y-A, at CozyRosieBooks.com. It's spelled C-O-Z-Y, Rosie, R-O-S-Y, books, B-O-O-K-S.com. Or here you can see behind me, I'm also the author of the Cozy Rosie book series. We'll have to do another, uh, another chat on that because that's a whole nother story. For sure. Yes. A whole nother piece of my life, but um, they're really incredible books for, for kids. They have four gifts in one. They all have CDs in them, acting out the books. There's music to remember the routine and the idea that I want to give over. There's a game in every book and there's a book itself and they all have incredible messages for uh, ages two to 120. That's the readership. Fantastic. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get you back on and we'll talk about the Cozy Rosie okay, for sure. Great. Um, and if somebody wants to join the workshops that you were talking about, how can they join the workshops? Fine, sure. So they can either, um, they can send uh, an email to me, um, They can call Ayelet. Her number is 646-404-4444. Great. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think we're, we're just out of time, but thank you so much, Rebitson Haya, for being on America's Top Rebitsons. We really, really enjoyed having you here. And we really, we learned so much. And we hope that this class was will be for uh, Rafur Shalema, for Leah Eliana Bat Emuna, and for Leila Yunishmas, for Bear Moshe Ben Yisrael Shmuel. And if anyone um, in the audience has uh, and has any questions or comments about the podcast or would like to sponsor a future podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. That's A-T-R-E-B-B-E-T-Z-I-N-S at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and, and providing this service. It's really, really amazing. Amazing that you're out there showing awareness. So thank you for that.
Thank you.